So, tonight, I wanted to talk about being a world changer. But first, I'm going to stop and pray. Papa, thank you. Thank you that there are no limits in your kingdom. Wow. No limits to your love for us. No limits to the power you've put inside of us through your spirit. There are no limits, God, in the kingdom. Would you tonight, I'm just praying already, God, tonight, take take any self-imposed limitations off of us any things that we have that we have somewhere along the way thought that we are limited because of this or that God I'm asking that you would remove those in Jesus name thank you that you have given us your permission you've invited us to represent you on this earth Wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> mm. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to move. We give you full permission to bring truth that sets us free. We're saying, tell us who we are again. Tell us who we are till we believe this. Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'm looking at a room full of world changers. That's what I'm seeing. Do you see that when you look in the mirror about yourself? <laughs> Our vision statement for blazing fire is that we are passionate lovers of God who are joyfully experiencing his presence we are fueling grace based regional transformation as a kingdom equipping resource center we saw some of that tonight some of the next steps of that of that kingdom equipping resource center and we are empowering people to change the world. That's what we're called to do. And I know, I know that sometimes it is all we can do to get through today. I know sometimes and in some seasons in our life, we're thinking, man, Lord, I just need strength to get through today. And God's good with that, too. He knows what you need. He really does know what you need to get th you through day to day to day. But I want to tell you that that can't be our, our big goal in life. Cannot be just to make it through today. I understand there are times and seasons where that's a good goal, just to get through today. But for the most part, that's, we're called to so much more than that. Now, so if we're called to uh, impact the world, to change the world, and uh, the next picture I'm going to show is, is going to bring up some real images for some of you. 
because we've just lived through this um, through CNN and everything else. That's a picture from the uh, Japanese earthquake and tsunami, some of the destruction. You begin to see images like this, and, and let me tell you, you, you read in the newspaper, you, know, you pick up the newspaper and you start reading it, um, it can get really discouraging really quickly. You, you um, look at the evening news. I just saw, there was something I just read, there were, and they were like, why would I want 22 minutes of headlines of the worst news possible that, that happened today? But that tends to be what the evening news is. And, and you see things like this, and, and what happens is when we start talking about changing the world, when we start talking about you being transformers of this world, you see these things, and it's really easy to get overwhelmed to the point where you just go, uh, maybe I'll just go back to getting through today. And what happens, unfortunately, whenever there's a major uh, disaster, there's a couple of unfortunate things that happen within, even within the body of Christ. See, uh, we are to bring hope. We are to be hope bringers wherever we go. We're the ones that have the good news in the midst of, of calamity, in the midst of things that are going on where people don't have answers. We actually have the answers. We really do. But unfortunately, when, whenever there's something like this, this is one of the things that sometimes comes from the church is, is a message of judgment. It's often one of the first things that comes out from, from uh, all, all over the place. Today with the Internet, you know it doesn't take much time. Within days, it's all flying around. Um, sometimes from uh, well-known prophetic voices, sometimes just people's opinions on blogs or wherever else. But, but often, I, I mean, think back to New Orleans, that there was a lot of judgment words that came out of that. Well, this was, you know, they deserved it because of uh, Bourbon Street or whatever else, you know, that that, that, that was God's judgment. Um, we have to be so, so careful um, because r right away I'm going to tell you that um, it, it is absolutely not our place to judge. It's, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings conviction. We're going to read that in a little bit in John chapter 16. But if you just start thinking about it um, just logically for a minute, why wouldn't the whole earth be toast by now? Just think about it for a minute. It's interesting when, when we bring words of judgment and we say, well, this area is worse than this area. Some of the impending doom that, that is, is out there, the doom and gloom, is often reserved for certain areas, uh, some of it right, right here in our backyard, um, that is viewed as, you know, extra bad. Um, could it be extra bad like perhaps Nineveh was extra bad? Remember that place? Do you remember Nineveh? And God says, Jonah, I'm going to send you there. Why would he send Jonah to Nineveh? Why would, why would God send someone there to actually encourage them to tell them about God, to encourage them to turn? It, God's mercy, his, his love, his kindness leads to repentance. And 
And that was in the old covenant. That was pre-Jesus. We're, we're on the new covenant of grace. We, we have a singular focus. We have a singular message of, uh, as grace bringers because we're in the grace covenant. Grace meaning, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you've blown it. Yes, you're straying from God. I got some great news for you. There's a man named Jesus who took care of all of this for you. It's the invitation in. It's the kindness that leads to repentance. Let me, let me just keep going. This is Jesus himself who said, for God so loved the world. Remember the same Jesus that said, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. He came to show us the Father. The Father was very misunderstood as, a, as, a, as, as someone that is waiting to just punish and pound. And Jesus says, let me, let me tell you about my dad. He so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him so that through him the world might be saved. Jesus said, that's the heart of my father. Jesus, remember, was the one that when the disciples were in the boat and here comes the storm and they're, they're petrified. Jesus, save us, do something. And Jesus stands up and, and he calms, he rebukes the storm. Let me just pose a question. If that storm were sent because it was God judging that region, why would Jesus oppose that? Just saying. You know what else he said? He had some followers that were pretty zealous for him. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, for Jesus. But they did not, these Samaritans didn't receive Jesus because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And so when his disciples, James and John, saw this, so picture this. Hey, we're, we're preparing the way for Jesus. We're, we're, we're setting up the stage for Jesus to come in. What's a matter with you people? You don't want Jesus? Doesn't that sound like a reason to judge people? You know what I'm saying? Just understand, from, um, try to follow me for a second. What I'm saying is his, think with his followers for a minute. Hey, we're here, we're here to, sit, to prepare the way for Jesus. What's the matter with you people? You don't want him? So the next thing they say is, Hey, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? See, they, they were studiers of the word. They knew. They knew about that story where, where uh, Elijah, you know, with the prophets of Baal, Elijah calls the fire down and everything's consumed. They knew that story. They said, hey, we, got, we remember this one. Jesus is going to like this. Hey, Jesus, should we do that Elijah thing? Jesus says to them, he turns and he rebukes them, and he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Hey, 
James and John, appreciate the thought, but you've missed, you've missed what I'm here for. That's a different spirit. That's not the Lord that calls down fire. So that's one, that's one thing the church does. Here, here's another error in whenever, whenever something, you know, something tragic happens on the earth. The next time, the next, the other thing you get is a lot of end times, end time, end times fear. Meaning, this is the end. This is what we were all prophesying. Oh, it's going to get really bad from here. Next, this is going to go, and that's going to go, and then, oh, it's just going to be chaos and everything, and then maybe Jesus will come in the midst of all that. That's the kind of, what, what it is, is it's, it's very fear-based. And it, and it gets us focused on the fear of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. What's, what's going to happen? What, how, we begin to think about just, again, survival. How am I going to make it through this? Let me, let me stop and say this about, just because I might forget to say this later, about, you know, you've, you've read things about earthquakes in, in California, about uh, prophesying. Um, first of all, I would say that that's, um, we live in an earthquake-prone area. I just want to say that because it's really smart that we would actually be ready with earthquake preparedness stuff. That's smart. Um, but I, I want to say that there's, um, there has to be more than just self-preservation of how am I going to take care of myself? Because that's not primarily what you're here for. You're, you already have eternal life with Jesus. Jesus already told you you can't die. He did. That's what he said. If you believe in me, you won't die. So that thing in our head that's thinking, you know, that, that fear thing that says, well, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, Jesus says, no problem, you won't. That thing that we're afraid of, I don't... I don't care where we are, what we're in the midst of. If the Lord has us there, I'm telling you this. If we're here to reach people and to help people, which is why we're here, if he wants you there, you're going to be there. Right? If he wants you in the middle of that to bring hope and light and peace and, and, and answers of Jesus, you're going to be there. If you're not there, you don't have a care in the world, do you? You've just passed from life into more life. So, I mean, think about this for a minute. What, what are we afraid of when we start fearing calamity and, and disasters and things? Didn't, didn't, didn't the Lord say that he's, he's using all things, you know, to usher in this big harvest? Didn't he say that um, didn't he say that, yeah, these things are going to come, but don't be alarmed? Didn't Jesus say that? It's going to be wars. It's going to be earthquakes. Yep. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Why would he say that? Well, all because, because I've got you in my hands. I've got everything about you in my hands. And, and all of history is, you know this, right? All of history, our lives are here and gone. It's so fast. It says, you know, the, the, the wind blows over it and it's gone. Our lives in this flesh, on this, in this short span, it's really quick. But you know that all things are wrapping up in history, right, where we're all going to be with Jesus together as a family forever. 
And let me tell you, let me tell you that, that heaven is, is far superior to what we have thought it could be on our best day of thinking about it. I mean, it's, it's how can I talk about something I, I, I don't know about really yet, but I, but I can tell you that it's far greater than what we think. We're, we're, once, we, once we arrive face to face with Jesus and once he begins to show us what he's prepared for us, Honestly, we're going to be thinking, I was, I was worried about this. I was afraid of this. Whoa, what? So this end time fear thing, you just watch. Anytime it happens. I'm, do you remember this? You remember um, this thing right here? Do you remember that? Are you old enough to remember that? Some of you in this room? Y2K, year 2000. Oh, let me tell you, I was pastoring at the time. There was a lot of stuff stirred up at that time. About, you know, not necessarily that it was the end of the world, but, but the beginning of the end, kind of. And people were saying, right, well, 2,000 years, the, the whole, uh, anyway, I won't go into the whole prophecies, but anyway. They're basically saying, yep, we're right on the, we're right on the edge here. We're, we're, we're going to go home really soon. Might we go home soon? Absolutely. Could, could Jesus come any day? You bet so. He said he could. So, so, um, but it, just because of, of this, you know, the Y2K thing, all of a sudden everybody said, this is it, this is it, this is the time. Remember, uh, oh, yes, have you seen this one yet? <laughs> Judgment Day is coming, May 21st, 2011. At least you knew ahead of time. You know, I just, <laughs> I just got... I got on their website. I'm not kidding, because that's actually um, it's actually a ministry out of Oakland. is is quite a. Uh, I don't know if I think that's kind of where it's based. I really do, but um, but actually there are people all over the earth. This one I think is in England or something like that. What's that? The metro, the metro in London. There you go. See, this is in London. So they've got they've got these billboards and signs and motorhomes driving around with this stuff all over the world. Um, you know, can I tell you how many times this has happened in history before? Many, many, many times. So I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just saying why, you know, why this fear-based Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. I got on their website, and they're having a conference. Um, they're putting on a conference April, I don't know, about a month before this. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of interesting. What would you do a month before? <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe it's a good thing. But So there, there's a lot of this fear-based fear -based stuff because this is very fear-based. The reason why I'm even bringing this up, if you go to their website, Oh, my, 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 my. This is all about the judgment, the wrath of God, and you better be right. And even the person that's leading this thing up, because I, I read some of it, he's like, I hope, I just hope that I'm going to be okay. You know, when I meet God, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, um, that would be so hard to live that way. Um, because how are you going to be about being changing, change agents in this world if your message is a fear-based one of, of uh, you know, the wrath, God's really, really, really super ticked and angry at you, and hopefully you can 
get on your knees. This is really basically the message. Hopefully you can get on your knees enough before that date where, where you're going to be okay. Um, that's, that's a little scary to me. Um, here's, here's another one. The Mayan prophecy. 2012. Let's see. 5 to 12. I'd give you seven more months. Because that's December the 21st, I believe, or the 22nd, somewhere right in there. The end of the Mayan calendar, which, of course, many people have talked about now, is that the end of the world. So, but this is all fear-based. I'm telling you, what I'm, I'm bringing up two things. I told you judgment, whenever there's calamity on the earth, and this has happened over and over and over again, not just, not just Japan, not just New Orleans, like over and over and over again. Uh, whenever it happens, a couple things come out of the church. One is a whole lot of judgment messages, and, and the other is a whole lot of fear. And neither one is going to help you out to be the, the, the world changer, the representative of Jesus that you are called to be. So, what does God say? He says over and over and over and over again, do not be afraid. I, I, I just picked some of them. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not even going to explain them because that could be my whole message tonight in a, in a heartbeat. It could just be don't be afraid. And um, I think some of you in here uh, might, might receive something from this if you are feeling afraid of, of, of anything right now in your life, including world events. Just take some comfort in this. This is God to Abram. He says, don't be afraid. And he almost always follows that up with something about himself. Don't be afraid. Here's why. Don't be afraid. I am your shield. I'm your very great reward. Next one, Genesis 26, 24. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and you will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Genesis 46, 3. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. He follows that up, for I will make you into a great nation there. We could talk about each one of these, why they had reasons to be afraid. And God says, no, look at me. You've forgotten who I am. Joshua 1.9, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Oops, sorry. I have to back that one up. Okay. Don't be afraid of the Babylonian officials. Now, this is an interesting one. I'll tell you why I put, you, put this up here. Because some of the, the fear-based stuff is what a horrible, you know, demonic government that this is over here or this is over there. Therefore, we have every reason to be afraid. You'll get all kinds of emails about that. So look at here they are with the Babylonian officials. That, that was not a nice government. It was not a, a light-filled place. And God says, hey, don't be afraid of the Babylonian officials. Settle down in the land and serve the king of Babylon. What? That's what he said. Don't be afraid. And go ahead and settle down there and serve the king of Babylon, and it will go well with you. Do you know that, you know, because the scripture says that all, all leadership is God-appointed. I mean, either, either it is or it isn't, but that's what it says. Really? Do you, do you know that the very people who are, who are um, saying horrible things about our... Well, let me, I'm not saying the very people. Let me switch what I'm going to say. People are saying, you know, obviously really horrible things about our current president. 
guess what? He's in really good company because every president before him has been called the, the son of the devil by one group or another. Everyone along the way. So when are we going to start blessing our president, praying for him, and trusting that God has certain people in office for certain times for his reasons? I'm not saying you have to agree with anything, everything that any president says. I would love it, by the way. I'm already going to put in an early pitch here. I would love it if this presidential, the, the next presidential election, that I don't get a single thing in my mailbox, email box, that tells me how horrible this person is or that one, or why the world's going to fall apart if this happens or that. I would love it if I don't get any of those, just so you all know. So you don't have to forward those to me. Okay, I'm just telling you now. And, and you don't actually have to forward them to anybody. You know what? When I do get them, they, they immediately hit my delete file. Immediately. Just so you know. All right. That was, that was, uh, that was for free, if you <laughs> cared. So this, the second one there, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Don't, uh, Isaiah 54, 4, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. So let's listen to Jesus. He says, hey, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Hebrews 13, 6. So with confidence we say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? These are just excellent words. Because we are not fear-based people. When, here's the thing about fear, in case you never really thought about fear before and what it does to you. Fear is, is crazy because it takes like the worst possible scenarios in your mind that your mind can play up and it makes them real so that you actually are living the emotional distress of it, and it hasn't even happened. But that's what fear does. You are actually living out these awful scenarios that haven't even happened. Why would you waste your energy doing that? So when you begin to feel afraid, what do you do? Well, you turn back and look at the Lord and say, God, what do you say? Wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm getting sucked into this fear thing what am I doing? And I'm not just talking about world fear also. I'm talking about even, you know, personal fears in your life uh, where things don't seem to be working out. And you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And God says, take a look at me. I'm the one that says, fear not, little flock. And he begins to tell you again who he is. I believe this. I really do. I'm just going to talk from my heart for a second. Of course, I would like to do that all the time. But I want to say this. I believe that a lot of the personal hardships that we have gone through lately in the last few years, you know, there's been, as you know, there's been a lot of loss. Um, I mean, I'm even talking about homes, jobs, um, a lot of uncertainty. I really, with all my heart, believe that God has been preparing us for a time where the things that we used to anchor ourselves in and feel good about, secure about, have been taken away so that all that's left is, oh, God, 
it's just you and your word and what you said about me and that you're going to take care of me and we're going to go make a difference in the world because now I'm no longer trying to keep my sandcastle from being washed away. I'm not, I'm, I'm not making light of it. I know it's been painful. Believe me. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, that was easy, you know, trying to, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying God has his purposes and reasons and everything is working out in history according to what he is doing and it's so much bigger than we know. And he really has been changing our hearts. He really has. To where we see what he sees. We're feeling what he's feeling. Um, let, me, let me go on. Because um, here, I'm, I'm kind of getting into this already. So how, how do we prepare? How do we, okay, so whether we have one year left or 50 years left or whatever it is, that's up to the Lord. But, but where, where do we go from here? Um, how, do we, how, do we, how do we proceed? And here's, here's what I'm going to tell you right here, first of all, is that closer intimacy with the Lord will get you ready for anything. There's, there's nothing else. You know, there's nothing else that will get you, um, that, will, that will prepare you for what's coming. But I will tell you, the closer you get to him, the more you will be willing and able to walk through anything and keep your eyes fixed on the one who says, watch me, watch me, watch me. Because I'm for you, I will take care of you, and this is how we are going to impact this earth. Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, this is where he says, um, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Are you afraid? Come here. Come here. See, the invitation's always right here. Are you, are you terribly frustrated and angry with what's going on in your own life or in the world? He says, come here. Come here. This is how you'll make it through anything, but you've got to hear my heart. You've got to know my heart for you. You've got to know right here that it's going to be okay. How else do we get ready? We listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and we do what he says. I, I will tell you also, in this time where we have been going through a lot, some of you have learned to hear the Lord's voice like never before. And you say, man, that was a really difficult season, but wow, I know God in a way I didn't know him before. I can hear his voice now in a way I couldn't before. So, because one of the questions is, okay, what about some of those words about California, for example? Some of the, some of the, the harsher words, I'll just say that. What about that? You, you read this word and you go, oh no, oh no, what about, I gotta, I gotta find out from someone, okay, what do you think? 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 Why don't we ask, Holy Spirit, what do you think about that one? Is that one, is that one resonating with my heart or not? Uh, honestly, because, because one of the words um, that was circulating even was about time, uh, leave California. Unless God tells you otherwise, get out of here. My question to you is, does that resonate with your heart? Does that resonate with what the Holy Spirit is telling you? It doesn't me, but I'm not you. I can't live your life. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, as I told you before, it, <laughs> it's kind of, well, it's kind of funny because I know that sometimes people have tried to run from calamities only to run right in the midst of some others they weren't anticipating. Um, 
And so we're just going to run from things that maybe would make us uncomfortable or things that we're afraid of. We ought to really stop and ask why. And God, what, what's your plan here? And what do you have me here for? I'm, I'm, I think I've told you guys this, but I, I put my stake in the ground here. Half my family has moved to Idaho. Bless their little hearts. Yay, Dirk and Julia, we stayed. <laughs> For their own reasons, and I'm not, I'm not saying there was anything bad about them moving, but my point is, well, why didn't I go? Why did the whole family go? I can't. I can't. Because I put a stake in the ground here. I really have. Because the Lord told me to. He said, this is, this is your place. This is the place where you're going to put a stake in the ground and make a, and make a difference for my kingdom. So, but, but you all have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to know why you're where you are anywhere. Why don't you, you know, ask him. What do you think? And then do what he says. Let me just read this from John seven, uh, 16. So if you got your Bibles, pull them out. Take a gander at John 16. When's the last time you used the word gander? Just lightening it up a little. <laughs> John 16. This is describing the Holy Spirit's role. Check this out. This is Jesus saying, It's for your own good that I'm going, because unless I go, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Right, right there, you, but you ought to ask yourself, who is this Holy Spirit that Jesus would say, it's to your benefit? He's, not talk, he's talking to the followers who are right around him. He's talking to the, the guys and ladies, his disciples, right around him. He's saying, I know you're not going to want me to go, but let me tell you something. It's so much better for you if I go, because the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's amazing and he's going to live inside of you. So, uh, let's see. He goes on to say, verse 8, And when he comes, he will show the world how wrong it was about sin. Okay, so whose job is that? Ah, Holy Spirit's job. Okay. And about who was in the right and about judgment. Those three things. Then he goes back again and says, okay, about the first one, about sin, and that they refused to believe in me. So Holy Spirit's going to show them that this, the only sin problem is not believing in Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to show people. That's your sin problem. He's not bringing up sin issues. He's saying, here's your sin problem. You need Jesus. Because if you don't have him, you've got a real sin problem. But with Jesus, you're taken care of. So let's see. And about who is in the right, in that I'm going to the Father, and you will see me no more. So Jesus was in the right. And about judgment, this is fascinating. What about judgment? In that, the, in that the prince of this world is already condemned. Hmm. Hmm, weren't we talking about judgment things earlier? You know? What's, what's the Holy Spirit telling us about judgment? Oh, that the prince of this world, that would be Satan, is already condemned. Okay, I'm just showing you this is his role. Okay? 
I still have many things to say to you, Jesus said, but they would be way too much for you to bear now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into the complete truth. Since he will uh, not be speaking of his own accord, but he will say only what he has been, been told. And he will reveal to you the things to come. He will glorify me since all he reveals to you will be taken from what is mine. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I said all he reveals to you will be taken from what is mine. Do you think you might need to know this Holy Spirit? Since he can tell you everything. Back, back to earthquake preparedness just for a second. When I'm, when I'm going to tie it in right now to listening to the Holy Spirit. Because people ask me, well, what do you think? You know, should you have 20 gallons of water? Should you have 50? Uh, should you have five days of food? Should you have three months of food? And I'll say to the people, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Because you could have all this stuff. And if your motive, your heart motive was just, well, I'm going to take care of myself and make sure that I'm okay. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I'm going to be okay in my little, you know, whatever here. Um, okay. Something could happen that you're not expecting at all. Um, I would bet that many of the Japanese people had lots of earthquake preparedness stuff stored up for them that it didn't matter once the tsunami came. I'm not saying that to induce fear upon you. I'm saying we, we keep thinking that we're gonna, we, we can set everything up around us to take care of ourselves. We've got to start understanding that it's the Lord who's going to take care of us. He's the one that has to direct us. Here's the other thing is you, you might decide. He might tell you. I'm just going to throw another scenario out there. He may tell you. You have a prompting in your heart. I'm supposed to have six months worth of food and water. I don't, that sounds crazy, but I think God told me that. So great. And then, and then something happens. There's a calamity, and God says, thank you for doing what I said, because now you can feed your whole block for a week. Wait a minute, God, I thought this was for me. He says, oh, no, you remember, you work for me. Remember, you serve me, and we're here to help people, and we're here to, to reach the, the earth with the light. So th that's why it's impossible to say, well, this is what you should do, and this is what you shouldn't do. Holy Spirit will let you know. Ask, get used to asking him a lot more questions than you think of asking him. Now, and, and some of you might be saying, well, I don't really hear from God. Well, you will. I, I promise. Keep going. And keep asking. Because he doesn't always respond the minute you ask. But you might ask him something, and then two weeks later, when you, didn't, you even forgot you asked him anything, suddenly you're walking, going by this earthquake preparedness door and suddenly God just drops this thing in here and, oh, wow I think I'm supposed to get this and this and this you know so he will answer just doesn't always happen immediately but ask him here's another one is spend yourselves for the sake of others how do we get through whatever whatever comes I understand that we need to take care of ourselves I just gave a message a few weeks ago about loving yourself right I said I said the reason why we make really poor choices is because we don't love ourselves the way God does I understand you have to take care of yourself but I'm saying the gospel is really all about spending your life for the sake of others, just as Jesus did for you. And there is a growing up process that's happening. Um, Matthew 10, 39, this is, well, let me just read it, where, where Jesus says,
Matthew 10, 39, where Jesus says, um, anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, that's, a, that's a tough passage, but, it's, but it, he really means it. He's like, if, if you're just about self-preservation, you're going to miss out on why I have you here. But if you learn to lose your life, if you learn to, to, to give away, if you learn that you're in this for the sake of others, just watch what comes back your way. Just watch how rich your life gets. We're here to usher in God's kingdom. Jesus said, John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that you may find peace in me. In the world you will have hardship, but be courageous because I have conquered the world. Christ in you has already conquered the world. Well, what does that mean for us? Okay, what does that mean in the midst of all this? What's it look like? What does look, uh, being a, a, a conquering world changer look like? Here we get, we get a picture from Isaiah uh, 60, verses 1 through 3, which is, um, Arise and shine, for your light has come. It's talking about our light in the midst of darkness. But I just want to read you this one paragraph from uh, Chris Valentin's new book, Heavy Rain, except that what I'm going to read you is actually from Bill Johnson in the preface. Although Chris's book is amazing. But just, I just want to read this to you. We live at a time, this is Bill Johnson saying, we live at a time when it seems that the evil of this world is becoming more pronounced, while the glory of God in the church is also being put on display in more glorious and obvious manners. Dick Joyce, a prophet and dear friend of both Chris and mine, once shared a prophetic word with us that went something like this. Just as a jeweler lays a piece of black velvet across the counter upon which to display his precious gems, so the Lord is using the darkness of the world's circumstances as the backdrop for his display of his glory in the church. For me, this word helps to settle the tension we face any time we discuss the subject of the last days, darkness and light both increasing. We must learn to be people of great hope, regardless of world circumstances. Jesus always has a victorious plan in place. Let me say that again. Jesus always has a victorious plan in place. It is up to us to discover and implement that plan. See, that changes the focus, doesn't it? It turns it away from fear and the oh no and what's going to happen to, okay, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen, but how am I going to be light in the midst of all this? Totally different focus. Here's, uh, here's another one. Um, is is uh, Philippians 2, 14 and 15, which says that you are going to shine out among them like bright stars in the world. And, and actually, the context to this is to do things without murmuring and complaining. That's the context. How are you going to shine out like stars? Oh, because you're not the murmuring, complaining ones. You're the ones who know my heart. You're the ones that bring the hope. You're the ones that don't murmur and complain. But you're like, yeah, my God can do it. And I'm here to help you in the midst of, of the pain that you're going through. That's how you're going to shine out as bright stars in the world. We get a really good clue of how to live this thing out from Isaiah 58, 
that says, this is the fast that God pleases. He says, is this not the sort of fast that pleases me? To break unjust fetters. So what is, what is your life going to look like as a world changer? To break unjust fetters. To undo the thongs of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break all yokes. Is it not sharing your food with the hungry? And sheltering the homeless poor? If you see someone lacking clothes, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own kin. Then your light will blaze out like the dawn and your wound will be quickly healed over. Righteousness for you will go ahead and Yahweh's glory will come behind you. And then you will cry for help and Yahweh will answer you. And you will call and he will say, I'm here. If you do away with the yoke, the clenched fists and the malicious words, here we go again, same thing. You do away with those things. If you deprive yourself for the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, your light will rise in the darkness. Your darkest hour will be like noon. Are you getting this imagery? When you're seeing darkness, Lord, how do we, how do we, how do we see the light in this? He goes, oh, let me tell you how to see the light. Start loving on people. Start helping people. Start blessing people and watch what happens. Yahweh will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in the scorched land. He will give strength to your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a flowering spring whose waters never run dry. Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You will build on age-old foundations. You will be called Breach Mender, the restorer of streets to be lived in. That's right. See, he wants us to restore. He told us, he told us to pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven, right? We're, we're, don't give up the ship. Do not, you know, I, I'm not calling you, any of you in here rats, but you know like when the ship's going down, the rats are all going, they're getting off because they know something's up, right? Don't, don't do that. Don't jump ship. Do not jump ship. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're here to represent Christ. And you know what? He's not afraid at all. He is not wringing his hands going, what do I do now? He's got a great plan. And you are a big part of that plan. You really are. So you can't jump shit. There's, there's no time for it. Lately, I've been really weepy. I know that's not my eyelash, but I thought it was a cool picture. Um, There we go. I've been getting really weepy lately. I just wanted to tell you about it. I mean, I really have. I, um, I, w I, w I went to visit my mom a couple weeks ago. By the way, she's doing really well. Thank you for all of you who are praying for her. Uh, let me, I'll give you a 15-second a, a uh, just update is that um, six months, uh, nine months ago, she was diagnosed uh, with uh, pancreatic uh, cancer. And, um, you know, by the doctor's well-meaning, the best they knew, she'd probably have about six months to live with chemo and radiation, and she decided, no, thank you. I'll just, I'll just go the na natural route and, um, you know. Anyway, to making this too long, the, the good news is, is that here she is nine months later. She is doing, she's doing phenomenally better than she was six, uh, nine months ago. She has no pain. She has no, there's, for a while there was burning, and there's no burning anymore. Uh, her body is healing. It's healing. And uh, so just want to 
Thank you, Lord. So I was visiting her in Idaho a couple weeks ago, and um, I happened to turn on, a, I just happened to watch a part of um, Secret Millionaire, which I have never watched before. It's this show where they, they get a really rich person, and for about a week they go and spend time at a homeless shelter or several different places where they actually are around people that are in, in tremendous need. And their hearts, of course, are start to get really impacted. And then at the end, they, they give large amounts of money. And it's, 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 it was fun. I mean, it's great. But, but I was just weeping over this. Like, I, was, I couldn't help it. I was just crying. And I don't think this person that I was watching, this millionaire, was a believer. And yet I know it was God in his heart that was doing that. I know it was. There's something rising up uh, around the earth. God is impacting believers and pre-believers with his heart of making a difference, of reaching out. Some people don't even know why they're doing it yet. What about the Japanese engineers that, that are sacrificing their lives in the nuclear power plants? That just, it makes me cry. I mean, Susanna was weeping over that. Like, what is that? What is that that would cause them to do that? I'll tell you what it is. It's God. That is the Lord's Spirit, I, whether they know Jesus or not yet. That is the Lord's Spirit within them, seeing the greater good that's beyond themselves. Because, because we're all made in God's image, whether we know him yet or not. And God's heart and his image is, is this whole thing of losing himself for our sakes, just like Jesus did. And he put that right inside of our DNA. So another one is this high school basketball coach in New York. It was on 60 Minutes. Was, uh, my mom's watching 60 Minutes. I don't know when the last time I watched that. And I, I, I just saw this. It, was, it made me weep. I was, it's a high school basketball coach in New York, very poor, very poor uh, school, um, high school, and uh, inner city New York and a Catholic high school. And for $9,000 a year is what his annual salary is. He is coaching these young boys who don't, most of them don't have good, if any, role model fathers. So he becomes a father to them. He gives them discipline and structure in their lives. But he's also, he, and he's an amazing coach. So they won the state championship. And, and these, uh, many of these students, you know, their, their grades get better. They, they go off to college. Many of them played in Duke and Princeton and other places. Many of them have made it to the NBA from this little high school in New York because of one man. Who, and the, here's the amazing part of the story is that all these colleges start finding out what a, what a great coach he is. And they're, they're throwing these offers at him of six figures plus. And he and his wife say, nope. No, we're here for these. We're here to get these young men off the streets. That, that's amazing. <laughs> See, that's someone who knows why they're here. I, I'm, you know, I'm not saying it would be wrong if they heard God and they moved on to other things. Don't, don't, you know, don't hear that. What I'm saying is they know why they're there. And, and once you find your place and your purpose in helping people, why would you want to stop? So, and then here's one more, um, Elisa Montante. It was another segment on that same 60 Minutes, and um, I just began to weep because of what one lady was doing. And I actually am going to show about two or three minutes clip of this. And so if you, um, later on, if you want to actually see the whole thing, you, you can go on to, you know, 60 Minutes and just back up a week or two and, and actually watch it. But here it is. Check this out, one woman. Of all the tragedies of war, none are greater than those that involve children. Caught in the crossfire or hit by a roadside bomb, children are often wounded, but rarely receive the heroic high-tech medical care that our troops depend on. Recently, 
we heard about a woman in Staten Island, New York, who has devoted herself to wounded children. Elisa Montanti has little money and no training in humanitarian relief, but against the odds, she has changed the fortunes of more than 100 crippled children, one child at a time. We wanted to see how she does it, so for four months, we followed Elisa Montanti on a journey with one child, a nine-year-old from Iraq, a boy named Wad. This is Wad last April when he arrived in America with his mother, Wafa. Elisa Montanti brought them here after an American soldier told her Wad's story. He was uh, walking with his friends and they were kicking a bottle. I think the first child kicked the bottle and then maybe the second and then he kicked it and it exploded. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. The blast shattered his face, tore out his eye, and took away his right arm and left leg. Wad would receive treatment for all of those wounds from a network of volunteers and charities that Elisa Montanti has recruited one by one over the last 15 years. Wad's first stop was at the Shriners Hospital. When you first approach a hospital or a doctor to ask them for potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in free medical care. What's your pitch? What do you tell them? Tell them this true story. Here's a child that's, that's battered. I just tell them the reality. I expect them to help. I'm grateful because they don't have to help. But I expect that they would because how could you not? You get to feed the After elephant. the earthquake in Haiti, she went to the island and brought back three girls who lost limbs. Elisa's work with crippled children began back in 1996 when a friend asked her to raise money to buy school supplies for kids in war-torn Bosnia. That led to a meeting with the Bosnian ambassador to the UN. And he said to me, you know, quite frankly, we have much stronger needs right now than pencil cases. He reached in his drawer and he handed me this letter that this boy had written to him asking for help, two new arms and a leg. And I saw his picture, and that's really when my whole life started to change. She brought that boy to the U.S. for treatment. Kenan Malkich, now 28, helps Elisa run her tiny charity with a mighty name. She calls it the Global Medical Relief Fund. Global medical relief sounds really big. It's big in the sense that we reach out to the world, uh, but it's small in that it's really me. Maybe you should call it one little lady in Staten Island. <laughs> she runs global medical relief out of her home, a 57-year-old single woman with a computer and a phone. My office is my former walk-in closet and I added a, uh, a window, and it works, and I speak to the world right out of my walk-in closet. The 112 children that you've helped so far mm -hmm. come from where? Bosnia, El Salvador, Liberia, Niger, Sierra Leone, Iraq, China, Indonesia, Pakistan, Haiti, I say Nepal. How do you keep it running? on a prayer. <laughs> Very personal. It becomes a global family. 
all these children, I say my children so often because I feel that they are, I love all of them. It's more than just an organization that is giving a child a leg or fixing his face. These children go back as little ambassadors and they tell their town, their village, we say how wonderful the American people are. In early August, Wad had one more checkup with Dr. Elizade. Look at this face. He looks so much better. Aren't you handsome? Wad, you look so good. His scars will continue to fade over time, but this isn't the end of Wad's treatment. The plan is for him to come back from time to time for touch-ups as he grows older. He's got a smile back. He's got a smile. And I think he understands more English than he used to understand. Yeah. Four months after they arrived in America, Wad and his mother headed home to Iraq. Hard to say goodbye? Very hard. I cry all the time. You must worry that you won't see him again. I do, because it's always that worry, what if? You know, what if something happens while they're in Iraq? What if? I can't do this anymore. A few weeks later, we checked in on Wad back in his neighborhood in Iraq. That's him in the red shirt. We found the boy who'd been disfigured and left to hop on one leg was back with a smile and a pretty solid kick. So, you know, I saw that and I was weeping some more. Um, and I don't know if you caught this, but when this started for this woman um, 12 years ago or so, she was just trying to raise money to, for some school supplies. That's how it started. In, in other words, I, we started this whole thing with, with when you look at the, all that's going on on the earth, you, know, you can get overwhelmed and say, well, what difference can I make? So you end up doing nothing. The point is, do something. Uh, the point is, is if you'll take steps, um, let me turn this. Pick something and step out. Because if you will take some steps, the Lord says, I'm going to work with that. And while you, and you start to walk through this door and he opens this one and he opens this one. Um, there are so many things you can do. You don't have to go across the earth. You can do it right here. You don't have to go across the globe. You might choose to. You might not know, though, where it's going to lead, huh? If you start stepping out and helping, I will tell you this, though. A lot of times we just don't know what to do, right? I mean, like, okay, what do I do? You know what? Any time when I hear about this, when I hear about a, um, a, a Tammy Von Horn who, from our church who, who has stepped out and started making a difference, and now they're... They're making girls' clothing and, and employing people in other countries, starting to make a dent to start to help the get girls out of the sex slave trade. Um, but all of this started, whether it's Tammy or whether it's uh, this woman or whatever, it starts because you begin to inquire first of the Lord, what do you want me to do? What, what are you putting on my heart? But then you actually start to take steps. And usually you have to, do, you have to dig and find some information. You begin to just contact people, and maybe the thing you thought you were going to do, if you hear Tammy's story, they didn't know they were going to be making girls' clothing. That's not how they started the journey. They just wanted to make a difference. So they got together, and they began to take steps where the Lord was taking them. But as you begin to take steps, then, he's, then he can direct it where he wants to. 
You might want to, you know, in this budget crisis, schools are hurting all over the place. You might call up a, a, a district a supervisor near you. Say, what can I do? You know, can I be a tutor? I, I, I could think of a hundred things you could do. Um, many people are out of work. Here's something where, in, you know, where you say, God, I, I, God, you know, do something about this unemployment. And he says, you do something about it. I've, I'm not, again, I'm not making light of this. I'm saying, he's saying, I've empowered you. How about you be the one to start a company that's going to employ you and 10 others? And watch what I do with it. Some of you might say, well, I, I did that. I, I started a, a business, didn't go well. So, you know, I don't want to do that again. Well, I, I want to remind you, Blazing Fire is my second attempt at uh, starting a church. I'm just saying that I made plenty of mistakes the first time, and God says, that's okay, son, get up. Dust yourself off, let's go. Your call hasn't changed, let's go. So I'm trying to empower you tonight. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. You can make a difference wherever you are, but step out and start doing something and, ask and, and watch what God does. So here's what I want to ask. First of all, would you just stand where you are? If you're able to stand. Because I do want to pray over you, but also I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask that, that um, if you've got something in your mind, in your heart, if, if any of this is tugged on your heart, and you're saying, God, I want to make a difference. Maybe you already know something that you want to do, but you just don't know how to get started. I, I want to invite you in a minute to, to actually just come up here and let me pray a prayer over you. Because part of it is sometimes you just need to know you have permission and a blessing from God to go for it. If you're thinking, I really want to step out, I want to do more, I don't know what that is, if that's you, I want, I want to ask you to come up too because I'm going to pray for God to give you, uh, you know, supernatural, divine ideas. Um, because there's a lot of things that are going to happen in these next years where the kingdom of God is going to advance and it's going to come through you. But you have to believe that. To be part of it, you have to believe it. And say, God, instead of saying, why? Why, Lord? Start asking the question, why not? Why not me? Why not? Why couldn't? Why can't you be on sixty minutes? Whether they acknowledge you or not is irrelevant. But you know what I mean. Why not? Why not you? The Bible is full of individuals who made huge differences simply because they believed that God was that good. He is that good, and He wants to show this world how good He is through you. That's what He wants to do. So, so if if that fits you and you want to come on up right now <clears throat> and let me pray over you let me release blessing and and, and permission over you because <clears throat> this is when you talk about taking steps this is actually a step this is taking a step forward and saying yeah yes lord yes lord yes lord Thank you, Father. And I, I want to say this, too. I believe, I really do believe, I know there's a, you know, we're, we're a more intimate family tonight. There's, there's a lot of cool things going on around the bay, which I am extremely grateful for, because that's what we've been praying for for a long time. But I, I want to say this. I really do believe that every one of you is here for a purpose, that what you heard tonight wasn't an accident. 
if you just happen to pop in tonight, God meant for you to hear this, even if you never were to be here again. God does that. He'll, he'll bring you somewhere just to hear one thing for you, to, to get your heart ignited on fire, and I believe that's what's happening tonight. So I thank God for, for all of you. I thank, I thank God for what he's doing right now. And so I just want to say this, as, as one who's been given authority in the kingdom, I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless the dreams that God has placed inside of your heart to make a difference in this earth. Whoa, I stand with you who have taken steps forward. God says to you already, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter, for stepping forward and saying, yes, yes, yes. I'm proud of you. Whoa, and I release from heaven ideas, strategies, Whoa, supernatural strategies, ideas from the Lord to make a significant impact with your life. The Lord says to you, I'm far from done with you. <laughs> he says, I got plans for you to represent me well as my ambassadors on the earth. Whoa. Even now, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm <laughs> the Lord's showing me literally that there are angels depositing, depositing, depositing scrolls from heaven that, that have plans, that have ideas on how you're going to do things. You, you may not even know what it is yet. God says, that's okay, because it's, it's just around the corner, or it's around three corners from now that you're going to turn, and there it is. And you're going to say, oh, this is, what I was, this is what I was asking you, Lord, for. And he says, yep, because I heard the yes in your heart. I saw the yes in your heart. Father, I thank you for this group of world changers. This, God, you, you took 12 guys and a couple hundred guys and gals around Jesus, and you turned the world upside down. That's all it took because of the yes in their heart. So we're saying, Holy Spirit... Bring now the revelation. Holy Spirit, remind, I want to ask you to remind every person in here, the places in their hearts, remind them of the things they've been weeping about. Remind them of the things that have been touching their hearts so that they're going to have some clues and remember what you are calling them towards to make a difference. Pay attention to your tears. Pay attention to your tears because they're drawing you somewhere. It's, it's, you're, you're feeling the Lord's heart, and he says, I'm drawing you somewhere to make a difference. And I empower you to go and make a difference. I empower you to take steps forward and make a difference. I empower you to walk through doors that the Lord opens right in front of you. And I empower you as you walk through that door to go down the hall, to keep, keep going in the direction the Lord takes you. And when, if you come to a closed door, I am telling you right now, I empower you to take courage, not to be discouraged, not to be dismayed. Those of you who have tried something before and, and you found a wall, I'm, I am giving you courage supernaturally in Jesus' name to keep going, to keep going. It, it is not a no from the Lord, but it could have been, this isn't what I've called you to do. This isn't for now. It could have been that. 
But God is not saying to you, don't make a difference. He's saying, no, keep going, son, daughter. Get up. I'm picking you up. We're dusting you off. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Ask me for another door, he says. Ask me for another door. Ask me for another door. Whoa. And I declare over you deeper and deeper intimacy with the Lord. Deeper and deeper intimacy with the Lord. I declare to you right now that you do hear the Lord's voice. You do hear his voice. You will hear him more and more clearly. Keep asking him questions. Keep asking him and expecting him to guide you because he will. And he says to you, I'm going to take care of you. My children, I will take care of you. But understand that I'm, that I'm taking care of you to turn around and to be a blessing to this world, to be a light to the nations. I truly believe this. God is, is depositing, he's depositing treasures. He's depositing gifts. But see, he's already given you himself. So these gifts have to be something he's giving you to hand out to others. He's giving you gifts to hand away. But he says, the cool thing is, son, daughter, the more you give it away, the more I'll give it back. I'll give you more and more gifts to give away. I am declaring over you that far and away your best years are ahead of you, not behind you. So I break off any discouragement of the past that says, Lord, I don't feel like I've done enough. I don't feel like my life has counted. He says, oh, just watch. Oh, just watch. Watch what I do. For some of you, he's been preparing you for a majority of your life for this very next season of history. So he says take courage. Take courage. Supernatural courage. 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 Courage in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh. And I'm, I'm, I have looked as I'm looking at you, I am seeing so many of you who have already done so many amazing things. I, many of you have stepped out. You've done incredible things. I am so glad you're here to say, but I want to do more. God says, very cool. He says, very cool. I'm, you, you will do much, much more. Much more. I do believe that everybody in this, world, in this room is destined to, to help the lives of hundreds or even thousands of people. Some of you tens of thousands. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That usually the Lord will do that with you one person at a time. That's usually the way he works. 
So he, that's why he says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. This is a huge key, is do the things that he puts in front of you to do and watch where he takes it. He says, I am watching whether you're going to do what I asked you to do. Just step out, help the one, and help this one, and help this one, and watch where I take it. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Supernatural encouragement over each one of you. No more discouragement that's, that's camped around your tent in Jesus' name. No more, no more, no more. No more fear. Fear is not your friend. Fear cannot tell you what to do. Jesus tells you what to do. Holy Spirit tells you what to do. So I do declare the peace of the Lord. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to end with what he said. He said, my peace I leave with you. He says, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he said, and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. At this point, I want to say this. I, I've actually seen where some of you are, are actually getting some instructions already from the Lord. Some of you don't know yet, and that's fine. Don't, do not leave here and think that nothing happened. That is not the way the kingdom works. Let me tell you, that is not the way of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is moving. God is imparting, whether you feel it or not, whether you have an idea yet or not. Don't underestimate what God has done here. But, I'm, but if he is giving you ideas, if he's giving you downloads, I want to encourage you, even right now, if that you're still feeling that, it's just kind of stay put, stay where you are. And, and just everyone in this room, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you as light bringers to this world. I bless you as ambassadors of Jesus Christ who carry the good news of the grace message that this world is longing to hear and you have it inside of you to give away. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So you know what? Tonight, tonight we, we are...